0: My name is Darren Tyler. I don't know many of you, and most of you don't know me. Um, but man, I'm so excited to be here. This is, it's, it's funny because it's a dream come true, but I, I don't, I'd be lying to you if I told you that it was originally my dream. This was God's dream uh, that he has brought to pass. We just started a Bible study, and we're minding our own business, um, and the Lord just moved. Uh, he, <laughs> he moved a lot, and, and here we are. So thank you for being here. Thank you to so many people played such a big part in this. Um, One, and I I, I didn't make sure this was okay, so if it's not, well, it's going to happen anyway. But Jay uh, Sekula, thank you to you and your organization. The the reason we're even here, God made a way where there was no way. Um, We're here because of that this morning. Um, And I noticed that Logan wore his Easter suit today, so thank you for that. Making me look bad. I made the comment this week earlier, you know, my mom's in heaven, and she would have flipped out if she'd known I was preaching in jeans. But I think she knows it's cool now. But you know what I mean? Like, she's okay with it now. So maybe that was a part of God's plan. Um, the book of Acts, chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles with you, this is Easter Sunday. Like when I was a little kid, this meant you had to get up real early go with dad and mom to the sunrise service, and I grew up in Nebraska, and let me assure you that it was cold, and you had to stand outside, and there was a cross, huge cross, and I have no memory of anything that the preacher said, which never gives me courage you know what I'm doing right now, but, but I remember cold, and I remember pancakes, so somehow that meant Easter to me. Uh, It's nice outside today, and we have donuts. It's as best we can do. So hopefully that works out for you guys. Um, Acts chapter 1. This is post-Easter. Like, when this book starts in the story, this is just like a month later. Jesus is about to fly off like Superman. And this is kind of, hey, look, I'm about to fly out of here. I got some things I need to go over with you. It's like when you leave moms and dads, when you leave it and you're going to leave your kids alone, you want to make sure, hey, make sure that the dog doesn't eat something or make sure that your brother doesn't go and lick the outlet. You know, just here are the things that are important. And this is Jesus saying, here's what's important As I'm getting ready to fly out of here. In Acts chapter one, verse one, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now on one occasion, verse 4, he says, while he was eating with them, that's what I love about Jesus, he loved to eat. And he loved to eat with his people. Very pro-eating, if you couldn't tell. It says, on one occasion he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father has promised, which you have heard me talk about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, we couldn't be here. We'd be, we'd be morons to be here if you didn't raise Jesus from the dead. That's the whole purpose. We thank you for that. All the other gods that have come and gone before, they can't verify their claims because they're dead. But you you can verify your claims because Jesus, you are alive. Let us never forget that. In Jesus' name, amen. February 10th, 2010, this is Port-au-Prince. Doctors say that... Haiti earthquake victim, thought to have endured 27 days, trapped under the rubble, has become lucid and that what he says backs up his incredible survival story. Evans Montesgros was carried into a Salvation Army clinic on Monday by two rescuers who said they found him while picking through the ruins of a flea market. Stick thin and severely dehydrated with festering open wounds on both feet, Montesgros spoke ramblingly, convinced that he was still in the rubble, begging to die. And it says that Montesgros told them that he had just finished selling rice for the day at the city center market when the quake had hit. He didn't suffer any major injuries, but was trapped on his side in an area where food and more importantly, drink vendors were selling their goods. Medical experts say that disaster survivors may be able to sustain themselves with a water supply and without medical attention for up to two weeks, as did Darlene Etienne, the 17-year-old Haitian survivor, who was rescued after 15 days in which she reportedly sipped water from the bathroom. Water is what saved their lives. Only 150 people were pulled from the rubble in in Haiti. Of the hundreds of thousands that died, only 150 were pulled, and most of them, the story was, especially after one to two days, was because they had water, access to water, And it's funny because we don't really understand the importance of water because we kind of live in a in a world where many many options around us we have drinking fountains to drink from. Look, we even go to the bathroom in water. You understand that? Like most of the world, that's weird. They don't. That's a waste of water. But we've got water everywhere. In fact, the this, the uh, survivors from Africa, many of the tragedies, like from Sudan. and Uganda. One of the things that they'll comment on when they come to America that they're so fascinated because these, these are young men, young children that maybe even had to drink their own urine just to stay alive in the desert. They look around and we're decorating with water. You come to the Atlanta airport and there's water everywhere. They're shooting up out of the ground. So we don't really have a point of reference for just how important water is. But I assure you, if you were trapped in the rubble of, a, of an earthquake in Haiti, man, you got it really quick. And if you were in this environment, where Jesus was talking about baptizing in water, you understood that water, man, it was important. Again, we got it everywhere. There, you had to literally get up in the morning, you had to carry yourself down to the well, stand in line, and carry your water back. It was so rare to them. The the scientists tell us that without water, in two to three days, we're dead. Five days at the most, depending on the climate, we're dead. We need water. Half of our bodies, over half of them are made up of water. When we go into space, the billions of dollars that NASA spends to find life on other planets, what are they looking for? Water. So no wonder Jesus uses the metaphor of water when talking about the Holy Spirit. Water. Don't let that, again, if you're in Haiti and Africa, I mean, you understand what that means. Water, and a dry, thirsty, land. you get it. Here, we have to kind of make ourselves. We've got to stop and take a minute and think about what it means. But these guys on this day, this is Jesus. He's getting ready to fly away like Superman. And he says, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. John baptized you in water. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, just like I told you, just like God promised. And they're probably thinking, oh, yeah, I remember that. Remember remember six months ago at the Feast of Tabernacles? How many of you have celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, right? wrong, well, but... If you were in this culture in this time and even to this day, the Feast of Tabernacles was this huge, huge feast. Like over a million people would descend on Jerusalem. It's almost like kind of like Times Square, but without Ryan Seacrest or you know, there's a lot of people in the city. And then they would camp out. They would take their tents. Tabernacle, by the way, is like a real Bible word for tent. Tabernacle. So you know, I gotta we're going camping, you've got the tabernacle packed. You know, so they, they got the tabernacle, and they'd come into town, and they'd camp, like a million people, camping in Jerusalem, hanging out. It was like summertime in northern Michigan. You know, you're just hanging out, slapping mosquitoes and hanging out with the bros and your family. But one of the things that they did, because they were celebrating not just the fact that God had provided for them in the wilderness, in tents, that he dwelled in a tent, that they survived in tents, but they also were celebrating the fact that God provided water for them. By some estimates, three million Jews came out of Egypt, into the wilderness, into the desert. And it wasn't like they could just stop by Costco and pick up supplies, right? And they had to depend on God. And, and you, you probably know the story. If you don't, We're going to do a flannel graph afterwards right out there. But the story of Moses, remember, he, he was saying to God, what are we going to do? These people are going to die. And God tells them to take your staff, your rod, and to smite the rock, and from the rock would flow water. And he did, and they did, and the water flowed, and it was awesome. All these years later, they still would celebrate and commemorate backwards of the time that God provided for them. And one of the ways that they did it was every day, the priests would go to the pool of Siloam. The word Siloam, by the way, means sent One. And they would go to this pool, and they would take their clay jars filled with water, and they would, a little processional down the streets of Jerusalem until they got to the temple. And then they would pour the water out on the temple floor, signifying and remembering and commemorating what God had provided for them on water day. Feast of tabernacles, water, pouring out water. And then, and this is the moment that the disciples would have remembered the greatest day of the feast. It's actually recorded in John 7, if you want to write it. Go there later. On the last and the greatest day of the feast, the big kahuna, the high priest, okay, he'd get up and he'd take his jar, except for it wasn't an earth jar, it was a gold jar. And he would walk to the pool of Siloam with a huge procession of people and priests and commemorating. But this moment, it changed because it was no longer a commemoration of what was happening, had happened, but was a signification of what was going to happen. And some people in history teach, and I don't know if it's true or not, that they actually, the the priest would actually mimic getting water from the pool of Siloam this time. Not really getting, it. it doesn't matter either way, it says the same thing. And they would take this jar, maybe it was empty, and they would walk back through the streets and they would pour this water, the high priest would pour this water out onto the ground, I mean onto the altar this time. And as he was doing that, they would read this from Isaiah 44:3. For I will pour water on the thirsty land, streams on the dry ground, and I will pour up my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Speaking of a time when God would come, when Messiah would come, and it would take this jar, maybe it was empty. What it did for sure is signify another year, another day that Messiah had not come. Now imagine with me. They're praying now for Messiah to come. It's now deadly silent. Thousands and thousands of people with an earshot. When a 33-year-old carpenter from Nazareth stood up and said, John seven thirty-seven, all you who are thirsty, come unto me. And from your bellies will flow rivers of living water. And it says, this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which had not yet come because he hadn't yet been glorified. On this day, Acts 1, looking backwards, the disciples had to be thinking about that. That's what he was talking about, water. We're going to be baptized in this thing, this Holy Spirit, this promise. Or maybe they remember John chapter 4, just a few years before. Jesus was a a woman at a well. You might remember the story. He went to her. She was drawing water. She was there at noon, by the way, it says, which is important because if you've been to the desert at noon, it's hot. Why on earth, why pray tell, would anyone go at noon to get water? I suggest to you is because she was ashamed. If you know the story, she was someone who had, had many husbands, and the man she was with currently wasn't her husband. She was there because, you know how it is in a small town, people talk. She'd just rather go and suffer the heat than suffer the things that people would say. So she's there at noon, and Jesus says, look, like, you drink from this lady, and you're going to be thirsty again. Speaking of temporal, and you know that story, right? If you've drank from power or money or relationships or those things that we've pursued, I just thirsty again. Jesus says, But if you drink from me living water, you'll never thirst again. Again, the Holy Spirit coming inside of her, speaking of the Holy Spirit in her. Notice the difference, by the way, though, because in John 7, he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming out of us. Here, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Going inside of her at the moment of salvation, at the moment when you've given your life over to the Lord and said, "Man, I'm giving up my ways, I'm giving myself to you, God, repenting of your sins," and He comes in and the Holy Spirit that moment indwells you. People say, "Darren, I hear you talk about this thing about the Holy Spirit, but man, doesn't the Holy Spirit? I believe the Holy Spirit indwells you the minute you're saved." And I say, "Yeah, I absolutely agree with that." In John 20, when Jesus, right after he was resurrected and he comes to the disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit and he breathes on them. Does not indicate whether or not he had had an Altoid before, but he breathes on them. I mean, Jesus probably had that breath, I guess. But he breathes on them and they received the Holy Spirit, they were saved. At that moment, their lives were, were forever different. But they weren't empowered yet. The empowerment that Jesus talks about, because they're still timid and hiding and shaking in an upper room. He was talking about now in John 7, this Holy Spirit not only inside of you, and yeah, changing your life and you're never going to thirst again. But now it's flowing out of you, into those around you. You're your own little big splash water park. The Holy Spirit flowing out of you. And maybe they were remembering, maybe the more astute ones among them they were thinking about Ezekiel 47. When God gives Ezekiel this sort of tunnel vision into the future, like back to the future, so it's like McFly, but Ezekiel, and he's looking into the future. And as he's looking into the future, he shows them this river that's coming out of the temple, flowing south, and he says to Ezekiel, man, walk a 1,000 cubits, it's 1,500 feet. Walk down river and get in a little bit. I don't know if you grew up around a river or not, I did we would, for the most part, go fishing until we got bored, and then we'd just go swimming. It was just, that's what we do. And the, and the river where I was at was, for the most part, ankle to knee to waist deep. And in, in Ezekiel steps in the river, and it's ankle deep. And then he says, okay, go down the river a little bit more. And there it was, knee deep. And again, the disciples would have known this. And then he says, go down river even more, another 1,500 feet. And there it's waist deep. And then he says, Ezekiel, one more time, go downstream even more into this water and there it was over his head. And if you're a student of the Word, you might begin to think, put some dots together. I that just really speaks of our life and our walk with Christ. Because once you first accept the Lord and give your life over to Christ, so you're stepping in the river, and you're surrounded by water, by life-giving water, and you're up to your ankles. You've got control still. You're surrounded by life. But as you're walking with the Lord, Begin to get a little deeper in it. And you get into your knees, which speaks of prayer. It speaks of that point of your walk with the Lord. You're, yeah, I, I'm saved and my, my soul is taken care of. My spirit is eternally forgiven and I'm going to heaven. But I need to really be talking with the Lord. It speaks of the knees. I'm on my knees in prayer. And then after a while in your relationship with a God, that's not enough. You're like, you know, I'm walking deeper into the water. Deep is calling to deep, and now I'm waves deep. It's because Not only is it good enough for me to talk to just the Lord about my problems, it's now good for me to talk to others about the Lord and how he can solve their problems. It speaks of up to your waist. It speaks of reproduction. It speaks of you're communicating the gospel to those around you. You're up to your waist. But then there's a time when you're like, that's not just enough. I need to go deeper with the Lord. I need to go to the point where no longer is my deal, is it my will, is it my plan, Now I'm in over my head. And if you've ever been in a river that's over your head, you know you have no control. But man, this river might be wild, but it's kind. It's the river of the Holy Spirit. that will carry you to where he wants you to go. You're saying, I'm giving myself over to you. I don't know if they're thinking about that or not. But over and over and over and over and over again in the Bible, the water is referred to. Water is spoken of as a metaphor For the spirit that happened at Easter, the floodgates were open. Jesus was glorified. It says, this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which was yet to come, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. When Jesus resurrected, when he was glorified, the floodgates were open. And so for you and for I, how does this work? And I know these chairs are uncomfortable. I'm not going to keep them on. How does it work when I'm the Holy Spirit practically in my life? Understand this. Think with me. When he struck the rock, when Moses struck that rock, in Exodus, water flowed. Now think with me to Numbers, and Matthew would write it down and go there later, but in Numbers 20, they're in the desert. They're still in the desert. They're thirsty again. This time, God says to Moses, Just go and speak to the rock. And Moses was angry, he was ticked off, and it says he took his staff and he stomped back out there, and even parents have never been mad in your kids, you know how this goes. But he went out and he just, he struck the rock and water flowed, but God says, Moses, in my office right now. <laughs> because you have just misrepresented what I said. I'm not angry at these people. Paul says, First Corinthians 10, he says, that rock Think with me that was struck in Exodus 17. That speaks of Christ when he was smitten for us. It didn't need to be smitten again. Jesus doesn't need to be crucified again. What he did that time is enough. When he said it was finished in the original Greek, what that means is it is finished. Done. So he says, Go to the water. Go with me actually We're back into Acts And we're going to get ready To land this day, By the way It didn't need to be struck again Moses Learned a valuable lesson that day A lesson that you and I Need to learn In the book of Acts It's the lesson that says this When the Holy Spirit flows Keep in mind When Jesus was smitten on the cross What flowed from his side Blood And water Blood speaking of the cleansing Water speaking of the Holy Spirit we have to be cleansed of our sins. How does this work practically for us? Number one, I've got to be saved. I've got to give my life over to the Lord. The blood has to cleanse me, and when that happens, the Spirit can flow into my life. Th- think with me on this. Hold your finger there for just a second. I didn't notice this till later, but Paul, by the way, says in 1 Corinthians 10 that that water followed them. First Corinthians 10, he said, goes on to say that that rock accompanied them. I'm not so sure that the rock itself followed them as much as it was that as they walked, no matter where they went, that the spirit, the water, if you will, was under the ground with them at all times and all they had to do. In Numbers 21, the next chapter, they're still in the desert. All they had to do wasn't go and smite the rock again. They just had to, it says, I think it's verse seven, they sang, spring up a well and he did. I don't have to go back and work. And I don't know where we think about this. We have to go and work ourselves up so that we can get the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, he says, well, you guys that are evil give good gifts to your kids. Who's to say that your father, why would you think that your father in heaven wouldn't give the Holy Spirit to all who would ask? I don't have to work myself up. I don't have to go and make something happen. I just have to ask. And if I do it while I'm singing, well, great. That's what Israel did. And he did it. But the purpose of this is this, and this is where I want to land with, because the fact is, is as a church, this is great. I'm so happy everybody made it this morning. But if this is all we did, as we came together and we had some donuts and we hung out and we loved the Lord and we listened to some teaching, that's great, but it's really missing the point. He says in Acts 1.8 that the purpose of the Holy Spirit was that you will receive power to become my witnesses, That's in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem to the other party. Do you understand what I'm saying? The power of the Spirit to come on me, to come on you, isn't just so that I can go to the convention center and see some really crazy stuff. The power of the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you can be empowered to be my witnesses. And these guys, these very guys, Peter, who just a month earlier was hiding, freaking out, saying, I don't even know who he is. When the Spirit came on him, just one chapter later, you see Peter standing up in front of the same people in the same town that had just crucified his leader that he was terrified of, preaching the gospel. 3,000 people saved in one day. Power to become witnesses. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives, number one. The second purpose of the Holy Spirit. The second reason why after you become saved where you want the power of the Holy Spirit act in your life, is so that you can be powered to be his witnesses. And the second thing is this, and that is Jesus said that I have called you, in John 15, I've called you to bear much fruit. We're going to talk about this next week, but fruit, Galatians tells us, the fruit of the Spirit is love. So if I'm going to be fruitful, and I heard a pastor say this once, and I've never forgotten it, when you drive by and you see an an apple tree with fruit on it, you don't see the tree freaking out trying to make it happen. It's just hanging in there, attached to the branch. But that fruit on that tree, Galatians tells us, is love, period. So that when you're empowered with the Spirit... Sure, some crazy things might happen, and we got people in the room today that have been in some crazy situations and seen God do some crazy things, but the purpose of it is so that we can have love, and when we go out and that fruit into the world, it becomes the testimony of who God is. It's love. I mean, when I'm in America, and we know this, how hard it is in America sometimes, to just get and keep our attention, how much money it takes just to keep somebody's attention in America. Man, in Haiti, I just need a bowl of rice. I've met their need, and they've got their undivided attention. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I'm loving that kid. The Bible says that I'm to, to love my neighbor as myself. Let me tell you what, I love myself, so I eat, and I clothe myself, and I house myself, my family. If I'm to love my neighbor as myself, then in our own community, and in the world around us, then we ought to be, as a church, individuals, and together, collectively, loving in that way, Not just holding hands and singing songs from the 60s, but actually loving, realistically, tangibly loving each other. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it means, by the way, for the Spirit to flow outside of you. Because think about it. Water is amazing. And when you're in a place where there's a water park, man, everybody's there. You, people build houses in front of water. And that's what's going to happen in your life individually as you let the Spirit flow out of you. People just want to be around that because it's fun and it's life-giving and it's refreshing and it's the Holy Spirit's what happens. And as a church, if there's one purpose, the name itself, people think that is a weird name. Yeah, it's true. But it speaks of what we are, which is a conduit of His Spirit. And understand, when I use the word Spirit, I can use the word Spirit and love interchangeably. God is love. God. So we're going to be a conduit of His love to the community in front of us and to the world around us. That means loving the kids in this school. God's gonna open up doors for us to love kids in the school that might need us. It means us loving each other. We're going to have, we have people in our midst that have great needs, literal needs, to love each other. We're gonna love the community in front of us and we're gonna love the world around us. And I've invited David Whetstone to, to talk just for a second. With me. I wanna ask him a couple questions. David. I mean, our church just started today, but we've already had missionaries in the field for the the past few months. David is one of them. David has been in Haiti. I guess you're you're on this one. David has been in Haiti for the past, off and on for the past couple months. If you go to conduitmission.org, you can actually see some images. David uh, and our crew were literally the first outside missionaries on the ground. There were some missionaries in there already, but understand, like, from the first people from outside on the ground in Jacmel, Haiti, were these guys that came from conduit, being a conduit of his love to the people of Jockmel, Haiti. So David has been back for how long? About a week. About a week. David um, is somebody that I've just met in the past year. And he's somebody that absolutely permeates the Holy Spirit. Like you want to be around him. And you want to be like David, and you want to see, and he's crazy. When he goes into these missionary, I mean, literally, we had, when they landed in Haiti, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't even know if there was gas in the town to get food to where they were going. And David's like, don't worry, I've got it under control. God's going to take care of me. So I've asked David to share, how has it played out in your life in the past? And we've seen some of the videos. If you haven't, when you get home, go to conduitmission.org. You can see some of the videos of David as well. But how does this play out in, in your life, like in, in Haiti and in Africa and the things that God is doing with you even in America? Well, Dan, I'd say, first
1: of all, I'm a nobody. I'm that screw-up that doesn't deserve um, to be put in a position that I am. That the Holy Spirit, all through Scripture, uses those screw-ups and those nobodies. And so it is my prayer every day that he continues to make me that nobody. But how he has shown himself in the past six months has been more powerful than I've ever seen the Lord work in my life. Uh, there's severances, and I could stay here forever, but just a few of getting, just getting into Haiti and what the Lord opened the doors to get into Haiti was just miraculous. All the way to having opportunity to meet with the mayor for him to cancel uh, the entire carnival. If you know what carnival is, it's a big party where a lot of demonic uh, Forces A lot of demonic activity is invited in, and he canceled it, and where Carnival normally starts is right downtown in the city, and we applied just days before when we heard he was canceling, applied to uh, set up there, and where Carnival started, we wanted to start a revival, and over 4,000 people came, and was under the gospel, and dozens upon dozens were accepting Christ, and... Uh, it was just that's just one miracle of the Holy Spirit. Nothing that we have power to do apart from the Holy Spirit and his working power. It was so evident. I think I could go on and on with stories like that of how powerful the Holy Spirit has been and is being, uh, even in
0: Africa. Yeah, well, tell me a little bit about Africa because David and I have been talking about Africa, and then this earthquake happened, and the next thing we know, David is in Haiti like two days later. But tell me a little bit about what God is doing in Africa as well, with where you guys have been, where you are, and where you're headed. In Africa, I was, I've was i been there for the last four years, and my last day
1: there, uh, last year I was leaving, and I knew God had given me a specific mission. He had already told me, I, I told my mom about the dream that I had about going into these villages with a backpack, and not knowing where I'm going, what I'm doing, but I told her this dream uh, a couple years ago, and when I left, I felt so uneasy, it's like God... You give me this dream, but this is my last day. I can't hardly communicate with these people. What, what do you want me to do next year, which is this year? And I get on the plane, and I tell my guy there that, that works for me, uh, Mazma. Say, he says, David, you're worried. I said, yes. He says, don't fear. Jesus will take care of everything. And on that last day, I'm getting on the plane, and I meet this girl by the name of Shameen. I'm very aggravated because they wanted to suck me, drive all my money to even get on the plane that's why they, they barter with you. And I get on this plane, and I sit down. I'm frustrated, and the lady sitting next to me uh, is Shamine And she begins uh, opening up her little New Testament Bible and reading. Well, I'm so aggravated, I don't even want to acknowledge it. Well, I woke up a little bit later in a better mood, and I finally started talking to and communicating with her. And I started telling her, this is what I want to do. This is the vision I have. This is the dream that I have and uh, she says, well, what do you need? She said, I don't have a place to stay. I don't know where I'm going to bring these teams. I have over 50 coming. She says, where do you go? I said, well, we're working primarily in Lomay, Cara, and DuPont. And she says, don't worry. She said, my mom owns uh, a hotel in Lomay, Cara, and DePong. You stay for <laughs> free, and any of your teams that come in stay $7 a night. It's normally $65 a night hotel. God has just been showing himself, and the Holy Spirit has been showing himself the whole way. Uh, we're taking this team, and not only do we have the hotels, but she said, I also have a van I'm not using. It's a 15-passenger van. It's yours for free when you're there. She called me the other day. She said, you need a motorcycle? I've got a Honda motorcycle I want you to have when you're there. And she just keeps going on and on. She said, do you need food? I'm going to give you a cook, and she's going to take care of your, your teams. You need interpreters? I'm going to give you two. Take them. And it's just God and his power. And so we're working in 29 villages that without any clean drinking water, uh, that makes up 13,128 people that have never heard the gospel. Uh, there's no church in, in any of those 29 villages, no running water, no education for the children, and no orphanage. Wow.
0: The thing about it that I think what I love is that, because in America we want to say, why don't we see these signs and wonders? But it's like almost if like we've decided like God is like a little a little monkey in a box thing that you, you know, jack in the box and turn it up. Well, look Look what it'll do. Look, you know, just, I'll show it to you. Um <laughs> As opposed to what it really was about, which is, it's like his air cover for our ground war. You know, he shows up in those needs. It's like if you, if you really want to see the Spirit move in your life, need him, you know. And the stories that David tells, has told me, it's like, that's just it. There's a guy that was literally land in Haiti with no plan because there was no way to make a plan and let the Spirit lead him. And the great news is that he did. All we had to do was ask. David didn't have to work it up, get worked up into a frenzy to try to figure it out. He was just cool and calm as can be. And in fact, I got a call from the part of the team that was with him going, Hey, I don't know if you know this, but David just left in a car with some guy. He was on the satellite phone, one of the big brake phones. Just some guy, and I don't know who it was. I'm like, Sure, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fine. But did you mind telling him just that quick sure. story? And then I want to pray with you. Darren asked me to, um, uh, well, he didn't ask me. I, know, I felt the worry
1: in his spirit about the children that y'all have been pouring your lives into. Uh, and they were without food for two days I believe and I was in the Dominican Republic just itching to get in, it's about two days after the earthquake and uh, I just got up one morning and said we're going, a team of us, we flew in and Darren said David once you get there I don't know how you're going to get to the church, I've been there but I don't know how to tell you how to get there And, and there's no vehicles, gas is running about $100 a gallon right now and You just, I don't know what you're going to do once you get there. And I told Dan, I said, I don't know, but I go in the name of Jesus. And when I landed, the moment I step off of this four-seater plane and bend down, there's a guy there to take my bags. His name is Caleb Meady. Caleb Meady is now on our staff in Haiti. And uh, I asked Caleb, I said, do you know where Restoration Ministries is? He says, yes, I do matter of fact this guy here he interprets he's the he's the English teacher of the pastor I said i need a va- I need a vehicle he said i'll get you a vehicle and within I was standing in the church on the church grounds the feeding center within 30 minutes so there's 20 minutes away within 10 minutes of getting off that plane God had sent me this young boy who got me a vehicle who got me to restoration ministries
0: where we were able to drop off 42 thousand pounds of food and when he did that there's video on the website of the people singing he knows my name he's not forgotten me it was quite literal to those people that day that Jesus hadn't forgotten them because they thought they'd been forgotten they were living on this little church property what little food they had they had taken together and lived just like in the book of Acts and it was gone and they were done and they didn't have any hope until these blanc guys showed up with the hope of Jesus. David, how can we, as a as a church, we've got a lot going on, not just in our community, but in the world. David is one of those. David was somebody, literally financially, that we have been supporting, helping to get to different places. How can we, in addition to the financial support that we've provided as a church, can we pray for you? I want to pray for you now, but I want us here today to know how can we pray for you, for the other missionaries. We've got a team, by the way, that left yesterday. A team got back yesterday and a team left yesterday that's in Haiti right now, part of Conduit Mission. Some of David's guys are down there right now. Caleb Thomas is still down there, someone else that we've financially supported. How can we pray for you guys and the work that you're doing? Well, first of all, I want you as a church to know
1: this. Uh, As of uh, December of last year, I had this out and out with Jesus. You know, I do this sometimes, get really ticked off And I'm having this conversation with God and saying, God, if you don't show yourself by January I quit, I'm done, I'm finished. I've been in ministry for 12 years, and it's literally been hell on earth of fighting with the North American church, I'm done. And I was looking here in Nashville to go back to med school, and I'm sitting down with Darren in January, and Darren says, I think we're going to launch a church. And I want you to know this, in 12 years of ministry, in 30 years of my life, I've never had a church like you. Most of you I've never met before. But the encouragement and the finances and the prayers is what is keeping me in ministry today. And I owe that to the Lord using his conduit. Using you to minister to me. To keep me in the ministry. But the thing that I would ask you to pray for me most is humility. I'd ask you to pray that I continue to die. You see, Jesus never asked us to live for him. The only time he tells us to live for him in Scripture is, I come to you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And so he's not wanting me to live for him. He's wanting me to die for him so he can live through me. And I would pray that I would lay myself down and I would die. That Christ would make me an automobile, a carrier, a transporter, a transmitter of the Holy Spirit of God. That when I walk into a room, whether it's, the, whether it's conduit here, or whether it's a feeding center in Haiti, whether it's 29 villages in Africa, that they don't see me, but they see a Holy Spirit that comes with me, me carrying that Holy Spirit. So if you could pray for one thing, it would be not my health, not my finances, not anything but that the Holy Spirit from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet would anoint me with such power that he would cause the wicked to fall and those that, and believers to be
0: encouraged. That'd be my greatest. By the way, that, the, the word when he says, I'll give you power to be my witnesses, that word witnesses, Marteo, it's the word martyr. I'll give you power. And some of us maybe, probably none of us probably will ever be called to literally die for him. We don't know that. But every one of us we die daily it gives us power to die to what are we going to die for which is for him so david i want you to know that um that i love you and that i'm proud of you and i'm excited to get to serve beside you and as a church i think i speak for all of us when i say man, we're so grateful we can be senders and there's going to be goers and we're just excited to be that sender for you for mentor leaders part of the vision of what he's doing is mentoring people in their 20s half the world's population. David uh, showed me this. is under the age of 25. We have a we have a huge mission field out there. So, if if you would, let's pray. With, would you pray with me for David and for Conduit Church specifically, but for David most specifically for God to be real in his life? And please don't forget to pray for him as as often as the Lord brings it to your to your mind and to your heart. So let's pray, Father. It's awesome that really the first quote staff position in our church was a missionary, was a goer. Just like it was in the book of Acts. They didn't fill out the youth pastor and the worship pastor and the pastor. They just sent people. And we had an opportunity to do that before we ever met here today. David was our first. We're sending him again. He's going again to Haiti and on to Africa. And Lord, by David's own request for humility, Lord, that you would humble him, keep him humble. Keep us all in that way we have not earned this. This is just simply a gift from you. And I'll take it a step further and pray, God, please keep him safe. Please give him peace and provision and show us how we as a church can best love him and those others that are being sent from our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I said it at the beginning, we're just putting another branch on the family tree. When you go to your grandma's house, what do you see at the family tree? The family wall, you see pictures, right? And if you walked in and down the hallway, you saw pictures that are from people in this room that have been going, that God has been sending. I have this idea in my heart, I think the Lord gave it to me, if you look it on your table, you see there are pictures, and a lot of them have just little butterflies, they're little empty frames. Pray about it today. That if you're going to be a branch on our family tree, to take one of those frames with you, and as the Lord moves through you over this next year, capture it. A picture is worth a thousand words. Let's tell the stories of what God is doing through you. We're going to have pictures of David and of what they're doing in Haiti and Africa. That's part of our family. And by the end of the year, picture a little mobile wall that we'll be able to wheel in and out of here with the pictures of what God is doing through each and every one of you here as we are attached to the branch or to the vine that the fruit will flow through us. Pictures of us being conduits of the Holy Spirit. Pray about it if that would be you this morning that would take that with you and, and bring it back. You don't have to go to Haiti. You don't have to go to Africa. You can go next door. Man, there's need all around us. This community right in front of us. And if you're a part of our body, you'll see over the year, we're going to have ample opportunities to serve. Not just each other here on a Sunday morning, but the community around us. To be conduit of the Holy Spirit. Thank you guys for coming. What better way than to, if you're thirsty this morning, and you need Jesus in your life, and you've never made that moment, maybe you've given, this is Jesus, this is my, I'm giving, this is my last chance for you today, God. Great news. He's ready to take it. And all you got to do is speak to the rock in faith and ask and say, Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry. Repent of my sins. I don't have to bring you down here, spin you around in a circle or anything. You can just right where you are and just give your life over to Christ. <laughs> if you want to pray with me, I'll be right here. I'll be happy to pray with you. And maybe you're, you've are you given your life to Christ, but you're just saying, yeah, I want that Holy Spirit. I want to be, ba- I be baptized completely under with the Holy Spirit in my life. Again, all you got to do is speak to the rock, speak to Christ, or sing. They did in Israel, like they did in Numbers 21, and you have that opportunity right now. And again, and I'm here. I'm happy to pray for you. If there are other needs, I'm happy to pray for those as well. But let's. What better way to end this day, to end this moment, of thanking God for what He's already done on the cross for our lives, but then to provide life and water and spirit through us so that we might live for Him than to worship him. God bless you. We also have